news and information. This is Radio 3. Good morning, it's 8.03 in Hong Kong on Thursday the 2nd of February and it's Fed Day once again. This is Peter Lewis with the details plus your other business and finance headlines on Money Talk on Radio 3. The US Federal Reserve has lifted interest rates to a 15-year high. The Federal Open Market Committee slowed the pace of its monetary tightening to 25 basis points as widely expected and raising rates to a range of 4.5% to 4.75%. That's the highest level since September 2007. And Fed Fund's futures markets are also pricing in an 83% chance of another 25 basis point hike next month and 34% odds of a further 25 basis point increase in May. After Fed Chairman Jerome Powell gave little indication the US Central Bank is nearing the end of this hiking cycle. Hong Kong's economy shrank by a worse than expected 4.2% year-on-year in the fourth quarter of 2022, following an unexpectedly downwardly revised 4.6% decline in the previous period, the preliminary estimates from the Census and Statistics Department showed. Analysts had expected it to contract by a softer 2.9%, and the decline in GDP was mainly attributable to the weak performance in external trade during the quarter, with exports of goods tumbling 24.8% versus a decline of 15.8% in Q3. And for 2022 as a whole, the economy contracted by a bigger than expected 3.5%, following a 6.4% advance in 2021. China's factory activity contracted in January, but at a slower pace, according to a survey of small to mid-sized private firms released on Wednesday. The Kaishin China General Manufacturing PMI edged up to 49.2 in January from December's three-month low of 49, but less than analyst predictions of 49 and a half. And one of Asia's richest men and the founder of India's Adani Group, Gautam Adani, has dramatically called off a two and a half billion US dollar share sale in his flagship firm Adani Enterprises Wednesday after a stock route over the past four days wiped 86 billion US dollars off the value of companies in his conglomerate. On today's Money Talk, we're joined by wealth investment strategist Enzio von Fahl and Jack Su, Chief Investment Officer for Greater China at Credit Suisse. And talking about the Hong Kong and mainland housing markets is Shi Wing Ching, founder and chief executive of Centerline Group. And of course, if you want to get in touch, please do. You're very welcome to, to contact us. Text 6393 5925. Email money talk at rthk.hk. Our Facebook page is Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. And we're on Twitter at Money Talk Radio 3. Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. On Wall Street overnight, US stocks rebounded after an initial sell-off following the Fed's 25 basis point rate increase, bonds rallied and the dollar tumbled. The S&P 500 gained 1.1% to end at 4,119, reversing an earlier decline of almost 1%. The Dow slid more than 500 points before recovering to close 7 points higher 
at 34,093. And the Nasdaq Composite added 2% to close at 11,816. After the closing bell, shares of Meta Platforms, the owner of Facebook, have soared 20% after the company reported fourth quarter revenues that beat estimates and announced a 40 billion US dollar stock buyback. And that's boosted Nasdaq futures by over 1% in early Asian trading. In the commodities markets, Brent crude oil settled over 3% lower at $82.84 a barrel. Gold that traded as high as $1,957 overnight, and that's the highest it's been since April 2022. And the metal is currently at $1,954, up 1.2% on the day. Treasuries were bid, with a US 10-year bond yield falling 10 basis points to 3.41%, back to near its lowest level since September 2022. And the US dollar index tumbled 0.9% to its lowest since April 2022. The euro this morning trading at $1.10. The bucks at 128.64 Japanese yen. Sterling is just below $1.24 and 9 Hong Kong dollars and 71 cents. Offshore Chinese yuan is at 6.71 and a half versus the dollar. And Bitcoin has surged 2.6% to trade at $23,700. Asia Pacific stock markets are also rising. In Australia, the SX200 up half a percent. Uh, the Nikkei 225 in Japan has risen a quarter of a percent. Stocks in South Korea have just opened. The Cosby is up 1.1%. And futures markets are pointing to a gain of about 180 points for the Hang Seng at the open this morning. Times 808 and a half. Let's welcome our regular Thursday guest, personal uh, wealth advisor, wealth investment strategist, I should say, Enzio von Farr. Morning, Enzio. Morning to you, Peter. Welcome back. Thank you very much. And also with us is Jack Sue, Chief Investment <laughs> Officer for Greater China at Credit Suisse. Morning to you, Jack. Good morning, Peter. Welcome back. Thank you. Um, so as you heard there, the Fed raised rates by 25 basis points. That's going to bring the effective Fed funds um, above 4.5%, which is the highest level in over 15 years. Enzio, what's your reaction to that? I'm not surprised. I've I've I felt that they would probably tootle up to about six percent at the end of the day because there are a lot of very structural inflationary forces um, that just won't go away because of demand-driven monetary policy. In other words, the the demand-driven monetary policy is there to cut demand, but it can't boost supply. And we have, for instance, in the weather department. The war in Ukraine, as we all know, is boosting natural gas prices. Um, it's pushing up fertilizer prices. The climate, La Nina, El Nino, are doing their bits. The strong dollar means that third, uh, third world countries, developing countries, excuse me, um, are having to pay more in local currency terms for their imports from the um, from, from of commodities. And then, of course, you've got U.S. wage inflation still up 5.1%. So, but again, that's because of a shortage of workers. It's not because the economy is doing so well. In fact, the economy was pretty rotten. It was up by about, it, it has decelerated, we'll get to that later, by 82% year on year in the fourth quarter. Mm, okay. Well, yeah, if rates do toodle up to 6%, as you say, uh, that's going to be a big shock for the markets because they're not expecting anything like that. It's maybe just above 5%. Uh, they're saying the terminal rate is... Mm. 
Yeah, I, I, that's my take again on the Swiss psychologist Kubler-Ross that the first stage of grief cycle is always denial. And I just think that once the chickens come home to roost with the sticky inflation at about four, four and a half percent, it just can't get below that. With the fact that historically, every time the Fed has raised rates strongly, the economy has gone south, which is exactly yeah. what the economic clock, the economic time would tell us. And finally, just because the employers are cutting costs, they know that they have to fire people now because things are slowing down in the U.S. Again, that very, very strong deceleration in, um, in America's growth, which was um, really very, very weak in the, in the fourth quarter. If you look at the e economic, the domestic purchasing index, excluding government purchases. Now, Jack, there's been eight rate increases so far in this cycle, including four um, consecutive 75 basis point increases. Uh, the Fed's now slowed the pace of rate hikes to, to 25 basis points. Do you think that's a sign uh, that the Fed's more confident that maybe current economic policy is having its intended um, impacts on, on tightening and on the economy? I will agree to your point there, Peter. Uh, we've seen that um, the growth of the economy have decelerated. We've seen last night the number that we've missed is the ADP non-farm private payrolls, which came out with 106,000, below, majorly below our market expectations. Well, the healthy number is 200,000, but we only got half of this. It's the lowest job creation month in two years. Mm. We got data from energy prices stabilizing around the 80 level now uh, and number of commodities have generally been corrected. So I think there are many signs to suggest to the Fed, including wage growth data, which has been coming down recently, to support the Fed to slow down the rate heights. But they, in the speech from Powell Road, they do acknowledge that um, in case inflation data is not coming down as what markets are expecting, you know, they are prepared to carry on the rate heights. So I would say most likely with our inflation forecast that US CPI will reach 2.8% by the end of the year uh, with some risk that rate hike will be extended slightly. Uh, I think um, the Fed will be setting up for peak uh, hikes by the first half for, the sh for sure, but more likely uh, by the next meeting. You, you mentioned that ADP jobs um, survey. Um, we've got the official um, government uh, payrolls data coming out Friday. There was also the JOLTS survey last night. That's the job openings um, survey. Now, that showed there's still uh, 1.9 job openings uh, for every unemployed person. Yes. So it's still pretty high, isn't it? So there is other data um, that suggests uh, the labour market remains tight. But is this going to be the real issue now going forward? Is it really going to be, it's going to be a focus now on jobs, on the jobs data that's really going to dictate where we go from here? Well, I think whilst the jobs data is very important uh, because obviously the Fed have two mandates. One is to maintain um, the, the economy in a good shape. At the same time, um, the second mandate is to contain inflation. And inflation is the moment priority right now. But as inflation is becoming um, more... Uh, in control or going to boss the path that they intended to, growth and jobs numbers will become more important, I think, um, by the fourth quarter this year. And as the trend of the job growth creation have been slowing, and although the ratio, you mentioned the jobs numbers, that number of jobs created is 1.9 times the number of employees, um, potential employees out there, uh, is still too hot, I guess, mm -hmm. for the US economy, right? So um, eventually, 
uh, as rate hike continues and maintain at this level for the next nine to 12 months, uh, we're likely going to see some further slowdown in the U.S. economy. I mean, NCO, do you think the Fed can get inflation back down to 2% without actually inducing a really significant uh, downturn in the economy or a big increase in unemployment. That's its target, but it seems to be stabilising uh, quite a bit higher than that at the moment. Well, I think it's going to overshoot in any instance, whether it, it stops at, at the 4% inflation, which is my guess, or down to the 2 it would really kill it. All that I know is that since 1970, Grandpa talking here, every time the um, Fed funds have gone very high, the economy has gone into recession, which is exactly what you would expect. And I would mm. just point out, it's not just labor markets, fixed investment, housing-related investment contracted, contracted by 27% on an annualized basis in the fourth quarter. Business investment rose just not 0.7%. The final sales to domestic purchases rose a squiggling 1.1%. In the, th- um, in the fourth quarter of 2022. So these are very, very slow numbers. And just the, the mm-hmm. 2.9%, um, we don't want to get too technical, is an annualized figure. And that's just, it's, it's, it, all that glitters really is not gold in the U.S., I suppose the important thing is is not what the Fed did last night, mm. uh, but what's it going to do in future meetings? And they gave no indication, did we, that, 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 that we're near the end um, of this rate hiking cycle. And I suppose what's interesting is there's quite a big disconnect between what the Fed is saying about the future path of monetary policy mm. and what markets are expecting. Yes. Markets are pricing in one more 25 basis point mm. rate hike next month, then a pause, and then for the Fed to start cutting rates in the second yeah. half of the year. Now, that's not what the Fed is saying at no. all, is it? I, I think that the Fed, knowing that it really has put, has made many, many very egregious mistakes since the great financial crisis of 2007-8. Julian Ted had a brilliant FT article on this a couple of days ago. The Fed mistakes of 2008 are coming home to roost now with this very loose money. And I think then they will not want to repeat that mistake of allowing inflation to resume on an upward trend by stopping the cut, by stopping this, this Fed fund stuff. Jack, where do you sit on this? Do you think, are you with the markets and anticipating uh, rate mm. cuts later this year, or do you believe the Fed? Well, the Credit Suisse economists did not uh, align with the market at this front. You see, the Fed, you know, one of the most, um, I guess, impressive economists in the world, uh, all, all well-trained, and they, do, they claim that they did not have a forecasting model that could accurately forecast inflation. And, and therefore, they decided that um, they would go with the existing data instead of trying to forecast inflation. And therefore, they now sound like, you know, they are not going to commit in the statement that, you know, unless they see inflation coming down officially in the data, they are not going to rely on the forecast. Um, they will maintain this hawkish tone. And we know that uh, in this geopolitical risk environment, you know, it's wholehearted to predict where energy prices will be six months down the line, where uh, commodity prices, you know, due to the Nino, as uh, NCO mentioned, um, where that's going to come. So um, they are not committing themselves to slow down the rate heights. Uh, they will maintain the hawkishness in the statements. Uh, but I think as long as the data come in uh, as expected, then um, rate hike will probably peak. But if not, uh, I think uh, we could see a bit more hype more hikes coming there and that's a risk to the market rather than more weight cut coming earlier than expected.
Okay, let's switch to Hong Kong because we had uh, important data out and really the data couldn't have been much worse. GDP contracted 4.2% year on year in the fourth quarter. Much worse than economists' consensus forecast of 2.9%. Then, rather unexpectedly, the previous quarter was also revised to show a much bigger contraction of 4.6%. For 2022 as a whole, there was also a big miss with the economy uh, contracting by a bigger than expected 3.5%. And that means the Hong Kong economy has contracted now for three out of the past four years. I suppose, Enzio, the key thing here is that have we reached the bottom now that the borders are reopening, now that China's reopening? Have we now passed the worst? Well, I think we've passed the worst, but I don't think that Merlin is going to make Lazarus arise. We discussed this last week with Richard Harris, who's now in, in Phuket, I believe. We discussed this, that just when an economy has been on its back for three full years, China can't just sort of spring to life and say, hey, guys, nothing's happened. You have to get supply chains going again. You have to get people movement going again. You have to get income security going again. An overblown story in my mind about that the, that the Chinese consumer is going to just sort of pop back and go and blow all of that $28 trillion renminbi that they apparently saved. Well, actually, $1.5 trillion of that is what they can use for spending. That's about 3% of China's retail sales last year. So I'm not in this overblown consumption story that the markets are. So I think the markets are getting a little bit ahead of itself. Nonetheless, with China at least on the, on the mend, let's put it that way, of course Hong Kong will benefit because of the cross-border trade. Jack, what are your thoughts? Do you think that we're going to see a significant rebound now from going forward? Well, in terms of the economy, um, we are hopeful that um, the worst is behind us, boy. And looking ahead, um, you know, we not, now we talk about the pace of this recovery. Uh, we look at the availability of flights uh, for tourism from the mainland Chinese. And international flight recovery in China is on track, but we are still somewhere close to 10 to 20% of the national flights recovery compared to 2019. In other words, in terms of holiday destination available for choice, um, you really go through the land routes to take majority of the outbound tourists. And Hong Kong uh, would likely be a key beneficiary, uh, similar to Macau, who do not require the PCR test. Right? Um, so as... I guess media speculation is that uh, we will uh, abandon this potential policy and that will likely lead to an influx of uh, tourists coming in. And I already got friends and relatives who are planning for trips in Hong Kong in the coming weeks. So I think there will be an influx of tourists coming very soon and uh, the economy will be recovering. But then uh, the recovery pace, uh, you know, we look at the, the data that has been going down in the last quarter, international trade is a is a drag. Yes. The supply chains is, is a drag. And we know that European and Western nations are going to the slowdown. Um, so there will be some drag there. But at the same time, as Chinese economy recovers, there will be an increasing demand for imports of products and where Hong Kong is supposed to benefit. So I think things are improving. Uh, but, you know, it will, be, it will take time. It will take time. I suppose NZO trade is going to be an important part of that recovery, isn't it? If you look at exports, they plunged in December by the yes. most since the 1950s. Shipments to China alone uh, plummeted 30% from a year um, earlier. Are we going to see a natural rebound in that as China opens up? 
Well, I think into China, yes, but again, we're working off a very, very low base. So it's easier to grow by 100% if you have $1. It's a little bit trickier to grow by 100% if you if you are coming off a base of a million dollars, obviously. So what I'm suggesting with that is that we will have a very, very strong base effect. Um, of course, China will pick up, but I'm just not saying it will rebound. And I think, as Jack pointed out, the rest of the world, the global trade growth looks pretty shonky, basically, and it's going to get shonkier going forward. Um, also, the U.S. Business Conference Index Conference Board is, continues heading south. So I'm a bit gloomy on the world economy. Um, Jack, just finally, very quickly, <clears throat> Hong Kong stocks had a good January, didn't they? Hang Seng Index up 10.4% last month. Where do we go from here? Um, Credit Suisse House view is still positive on China equities. Uh, we think this consolidation uh, will be only temporary. If we look at the inflow into mainland China Asia, you can see we had a record month in January and it's not stopping yet. So in other words, um, this is some rotation from Hong Kong into mainland. Uh, but overall, China's story and China expectations of a recovery for 2023 is still the best story in the world right now. So therefore, money we should still be coming in for by buying China equities. And we think there will be more upside going Great. forward. Well, that's good to hear. Thank you very much. That's Jack Su, Chief Investment Officer for Greater China at Credit Suisse and Personal Wealth Investment Strategist, Enzio von Feil. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Times 824. On the phone is Xi Wing Ching, founder and chief executive of Centerline Group. Good morning, Mr. Xi. Good morning. Um, tell me a little bit about how Hong Kong uh, residential property fared in 2022 in the face of what we've been talking about this morning, rising interest rates and a sharp um, economic contraction mm. in Hong Kong. Uh, Beijing's recent release on pandemic measures has led quite a lot of positive feedback in the Hong Kong property market. People thought uh, Chinese government are getting more sensible uh, and the new policy are more uh, pragmatic. Uh, this will benefit the economy uh, very soon. Uh, there are hints that Beijing's change in policy will not be limited in uh, COVID fighting measures only. It will spread to other fields such as economic policy and foreign affairs. Mm. People hope uh, that this will make easier for Hong Kong to perform its role in connecting uh, China and the world. Uh, the atmosphere in the property market uh, turned more positive. If we, if we look at the data, I mean, new home sales on the mainland, they tumbled 32.5% in January uh, from a year earlier. We have these um, new support measures now, which mainly seem to be focused on um, allowing property developers to get new financing, don't they? That's the main focus mm. of these measures. But do you think that's going to help sales recover? Is it going to help rebuild confidence uh, amongst home buyers and get them back into the market? Uh. The problem in mainland property market is more serious than Hong Kong. Mm. Uh, they have built really too much, more than the need of the whole population. Uh, I think they should have this stopped 10 years ago. Now it's a little bit too late. 
uh, they are allowing the bank to uh, give the uh, developer more financial support. Mm. Uh, this is uh, no good because it will implicate more burden to the bank. Mm. Uh, the only way out is to uh, let the people more eager in property investment. But this is not in match with Xi Jinping's teaching. He said the property should be used not for investment. Mm. Uh, homes homes are for living in, he said, didn't they? Yes. Uh, I don't know how they are going to strike the balance. Uh, and, and here in Hong Kong, Hong Kong home prices, they fell 15.6% in the last year, according to government data. That's the steepest decline since 1998. And as you heard mm-hmm. this morning, the Fed has raised interest rates by another 25 basis points overnight. Markets are pricing mm-hmm. in another 25 basis point rate rise next mm-hmm. month, which is going to take Fed fund rates to 5%. And of course, the Hong Kong Monetary Authority will have mm-hmm. to follow. What does that do to the outlook for the property market this year? Uh, if you look at the uh, trend, actually, uh, the Federal Reserve is already uh, lowering the in- increment in rates. So uh, the interest rate is going to peak off in the middle of this year. And the local bank uh, has already lowered the deposit rate uh, uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, this uh, gives uh, hints to the uh, investor in the property market uh, that if they uh, sell their property and deposit their money for interest in bank, it is not for long term because the bank will not con- commit uh, long term deposit only mm. half to one year. So uh, they will. Uh, reconsider uh, holding their property again. This uh, actually is not a, a negative uh, factor in the market anymore. So you say you think uh, interest rates are going to peak by the middle of the mm. year. Will that coincide with also a bottoming of the property market here in Hong Kong? And do you expect then that maybe prices will recover in the second half of the year? Uh, the price has uh, bottom out in short term, uh, but for long term, uh, we cannot just rely on wish, wishful thinking. Uh, you need to see the real economy recovering, and when people have more job security and income increment, then they there will be uh, new support in the property market. At this moment, uh, just because of the news are more positive, mm. uh, but the real benefit uh, hasn't come out yet. And very quickly, just let me ask you finally, I wanted to get your thoughts on the light public housing scheme. We've got eight plots earmarked to build some 30,000 light public flats using sort of prefabricated methods, which makes them cheaper. What, what are your thoughts on the, on the light public housing scheme? <laughs> uh, this is a little bit too expensive. Uh, but since uh, people uh, in Hong Kong are so eager to have 
the housing problem solved as soon as possible, then we have to pay the price. But uh, uh, we can do it uh, in a less expensive way uh, Mm -hmm. by using uh, those uh, factory building or vacant commercial building and convert into temporary public housing. Okay, well, thank you very much, Mr. Shing. Uh, Mr. Shing, good to talk to you. That's Shi Wing Ching, who is founder and chief executive of the Centerline Group. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. In the markets right now, the SX200 in Australia up 0.4%. The Nikkei 225 in Japan has risen about 0.2%. The Cosby is up over 1% in South Korea. Uh, and it looks like the Hang Seng is going to add about 180 points at the open this morning. Thank you very much for listening this morning. I'll be back tomorrow morning for the final Money Talk of the week. Coming up after the news is Back Chat with uh, Janice Wong and Danny Gittings this morning. Let me give you an update on the weather forecast for today. Uh, mainly cloudy, sunny periods during the day. Maximum temperature is going to be around 23 degrees. And then the outlook is for windier and cooler weather with a few rain patches in the next couple of days. Temperature right now is 20 degrees and it's 77% relative humidity. Just gone 8.31. Here's Barry O'Rourke with the half-hour news. A property and investment analyst has welcomed the news that the U.S. Federal Reserve is slowing the pace of U.S. rate hikes. The Fed raised interest rates by 0.25 percentage points, the smallest increase since last March. Hannah Jiang, the head of valuation and advisory services at Colliers Hong Kong, said rising interest rates had put homeowners under pressure. She said the 12,000 cases of negative equity in Hong Kong was relatively small compared to 106,000 cases in 2003 during the SARS epidemic. But she also warned that property prices had risen over the years, so the sums of money had tripled. The value at that moment was only $24 billion in terms of aggregated value of those negative equity. But in this time, 2022 fourth quarter, the value is $66 billion. So in terms of amount, it's quite significant. Turning overseas now, and up to half a million workers in Britain have been taking part in strikes, causing major disruption to education, transport and other services. It's thought to be the biggest industrial action in the UK in a decade. The British government argues that wage rises are unaffordable and would only make current high inflation worse. Here's the BBC's Zoe Conway. Today's strike action was coordinated by seven different trade unions. There were picket lines at airports, railway stations, universities, job centres and even the British Museum. The effect was widespread. What's hard to ignore is the relentlessness. There's only one day next week when NHS staff in England and Wales aren't on strike. Monday, we'll see one of the biggest walkouts in the history of the health service involving ambulance workers and nurses. The funeral has taken place of Tyree Nichols, who died after being beaten by police officers during a traffic stop in the US city of Memphis. Graphic footage showed him being punched, kicked and hit with a baton. Five officers involved in the incident incident have been arrested on charges, including second-degree murder. The vice president, Kamala Harris, addressed the congregation. This violent act was not in pursuit of public safety. It was not in the interest of keeping the public safe because one must ask, was not it in the interest of keeping the public safe that Tyree Nichols would be with us here today? 
Was he not also entitled to the right to be safe? Finally, President Biden's lawyer has said a search of the president's beach house in Delaware has concluded with no documents with classified markings found. Federal officers had been searching the premises after classified documents from his time as vice president were found at other properties linked to him. We'll have more news on the hour from RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Janice Wong and our guest presenter is Danny Gittings. On today's programme, we're talking about the 